Hello and welcome to One in Four, talking mental health with Abby Lacey and friends. In this series, I'll be chatting to friends about their mental health, how they cope, their support systems, advice they've learned and advice they'd like to pass on. Please note the topics in this podcast may not be suitable for all listeners. Today on One in Four, I'm joined by James Gwinnett. James and I met through the Make a Difference Summit back in October last year. James broke his neck in 2013 and since then has gone on to run marathons, ultra marathons, including the Thames Path 100, and got through to the final of season four of SAS Who Dares Wins. Hi, James. Thanks ever so much for coming on One in Four. So how are you today? And I mean, how are you really? Not just, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, the sun's shining. Thank you very much. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on. And uh, yeah, I'm great. Um, no, no, I'm, I'm not allowed to say that, am I? I'm, I'm kidding. No, I am, keep up, I am, please. I am very, well, <laughs> good. Uh, very well, physically, mentally, uh, though, though life, life is never completely plain sailing. I, I do have a, stresses uh, and I, I've actually been juggling quite a lot in the last month, though mm. I like to think I'm more adept at managing things than I have have been in the, in the past. But backtrack a few months and I made the decision to go freelance in mm. March. Then lockdown was announced. So probably the worst business decision of all time, but hindsight is a wonderful thing. And I've, I've, I've really struggled finding business. I, my finances suffered as a result, which was, a, which was obviously a big worry. Fortunately, I've come through that and recently secured a, a permanent contract with a mental health organization, which, I, which I'll come on to. Um, but I then, in the, I've got engaged and moved house all within a few weeks of each other. So there's been, uh, there's been a lot on. <laughs> my, my fiance has also taken a, a new job recently. So between us, things have been a little frantic, but we are looking forward to unpacking the rest of the boxes. We've moved to Bath, it's beautiful here. I'm uh, looking forward to building a, a home together and some, and some new memories. So a few stresses over the summer, but I think overall I can count myself pretty lucky. That's lovely to hear. James, what's our connection? Why are you here? I know we don't really know each other very well. So how did, how did we meet? We, we met virtually um, via the, the Make a Difference World Summit, which, which happened uh, recently. And the, re- well, the reason that I'm here is that, how do I put this? I, I'm passionate about the limits of the human body and the mind mm. and what they are capable of when pushed. Linking to that, how mental resilience can be honed to push the body and mind further than we might believe is possible in order to achieve incredible feats of endurance, but also how that can be used to great effect to overcome challenges in our day-to-day lives as well. So tell me a little bit about your story, um, especially your men- the mental health side, but you've got quite, quite a lot, haven't you, to say? <laughs> I have, yeah. And uh, yeah, hopefully I won't drone on too long. Because it's, it's a difficult one to pinpoint, actually, because although that there were some major triggers that have accentuated things over the years, m- my mental health story is probably a, an accumulation of various factors over many, many years and, and a lot of them were fairly 
seemingly pretty harmless and, and innocent at the time. Um, I, I played rugby from a young age. Right. Wasn't, wasn't too bad at it either. I, I played semi-professionally in my, my late 20s. And I'm, I'm six foot five and weighed 17 stone at the height of my career, if you could call it a career. Yeah. Um, and I was heavily influenced by the, the macho, masculine, alpha male um, drinking culture that comes with the game. Although when I was playing, that, that was all acceptable. And, and actually, it was curbed, I suppose, by the discipline of, of my weekly routine. So mm. um, training, fitness, eating all the right things, doing weights, going for runs, um, you know, rugby training with the, with the guys, etc. All of those things were geared up to me being the best that I could possibly be. Come three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, game time, at which point I'd head out onto the pitch with the boys to batter and bruise myself for 80 minutes and then head back into the clubhouse to down as many pints as I possibly could in the bar afterwards. The, normal, normal rugby playing stuff then. <laughs> that, that's the thing. At the time, there wasn't anything wrong with that. At mm. least certainly not in my head and not in the heads of my, my 14 teammates. But also because I had a routine um, and that was the identity that I'd sort of carved out for my, myself, I suppose. Unfortunately, that all changed on the 9th of March, 2013. Mm. Uh, the date is etched vividly in my memory. I went in to tackle a, an opponent like I had done a thousand times before. Yeah. But in, in what was basically a freak accident, he changed direction at the last minute and I ended up flying headfirst into his, into his stomach rather than the standard rugby tackle technique of, of hitting him with my shoulder and the force of the, the the contact compacted my neck so badly that I, I cracked a vertebra my mm. C6 vertebra in the base of my neck now fortunately I was able to walk off the pitch um, it could have been a lot worse mm. uh, no uh, irreparable damage was done but uh, I was told that I could no longer play and I was lumbered with wearing a pretty sturdy neck brace 24-7 for three months and taking that time off work. So the, the result was, was basically the loss of that identity. I no longer saw myself as a macho, big 17-stone rugby player who was one of the lads. I saw myself as a failure, I suppose. So yeah, I, I saw myself as a failure for the, for the first time, I suppose. And, and I lost that motivation for, of discipline, uh, the discipline to be healthy and fit for rugby. So the, the, the identity went with that, the routine went. And unfortunately, the, the drinking culture that I was used to became a more frequent occurrence. I, mm. I caught myself drinking during the day, initially just to stave off boredom, to be honest. But yeah. then... That, that increasingly became a dependency. Thus began the, the spiral of alcoholism where I'd, I'd crave a drink to, to perk myself up whilst simultaneously using it as a, a crutch to bury my emotions in, in yeah. numbers. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure if, if alcoholism sparked depression or if depression sparked alcoholism, uh, alcoholism but I... I hitched a, a ride on a, on a tragic merry-go-round for about three years until I hit what was, what was my rock bottom. That was spending a night in a hotel alone with a bottle of Jack Daniels and 
Uh, this was after, uh, I mean, it's just to put things into context, the, the amount of alcohol that I was able to drink, it, it disgusts me now. I went yeah. for, for drinks with some work colleagues, had four or five pints, I went home, had a bottle of wine. I then stormed out after a big argument with my, with my then girlfriend and took a bottle of Jack Daniels with me and saw the whole thing away. Yeah. And I mean, that is an obscene amount to drink. Mm. Um, I'm not saying that to boast. Absolutely, God not. No, absolutely. It, just to sort of explain, oh God, you know, what a what a horrible thing to put your your body through. Mm. And the next morning, I was I was sat at breakfast in this in this hotel, and I had I'm not a terribly spiritual person, but I had what what I would describe as an epiphany, a mm. light bulb moment. I felt so rough from 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 drinking. Um, but at the same time sort of floated out of myself and saw myself in this in this hotel restaurant thinking oh my god you are so pathetic and I just I I thought I can't do this again that was my that was my spark I I made the decision there and then to quit drinking poured myself into recovery it sounds a bit naff but I, I became addicted to being sober so did AA meetings seminars literature hypnotherapy you name it the whole shebang everything um i immersed myself in sobriety and i realized uh, as as part of the process that i needed to in inverted commas find myself again because mm. I, I, I realized that i'd lost that that identity now I, I knew that i needed to find a new identity um my, my, tr- my trouble is that i think i'm <laughs> inherently quite a lazy person in that i need some form of, of motivation mm. to to push myself, something to, to aim for. Otherwise, I find it quite quite difficult to discipline myself. So I, right. I need a goal. And, and when I was playing rugby, that motivation was to be fit, strong, healthy, etc., in order to be the best rugby player that I could be. But yeah. obviously, I lost that. So, <clears throat> excuse me, shortly after quitting, I found myself one Sunday morning in April watching the London Marathon on television and it hit me. Boom. This is it. I need, I need this. Mm. And I was, I got really emotional. Actually, I can remember I was sat there with my dad and I was bawling my eyes out because there was all these people putting themselves through hardship and raising money for charity, fancy dress, people running in, in rhino costumes, you name it. And all this amazing hard work and, and dedication that they had gone through in order to get to this, this peak of, um, you know, marathon is considered a sort of, you know, a peak of um, endeavour, isn't it? A fit- yeah, absolutely. So uh, that was it. Boom. Uh, I, I knew it. I, I need this. I got in touch with a rugby charity that I'd previously done some some work for, and I signed up for the, the following year's event. So I was watching the television in 2016. I signed up for the marathon in 2017. And drafted I took it so seriously I drafted out a training regime that gave me the routine I'd been been searching for it gave me the purpose again and this this is where my fascination with limits comes in I mentioned because despite all the abuse that I put my body through like I say pints bottles of wine bottles of whiskey in one night that was just one night over a three Mm. period I I say three year period 20 year period probably um i was able to cross the finish line in 27 the london marathon in 2017 in less than four hours and i didn't i didn't think it was the most awful thing i i'd ever done either quite the opposite i was exhilarated by the 
the endorphins by the by the achievement and the buzz of the event um i got a medal which was which was lovely but the the satisfaction for me was and always will be far more intrinsic it was knowing that i i'd set myself a difficult challenge i sort of worked out the the route to get there and i worked put a load of effort in worked bloody hard to achieve it and since this is where my slightly addictive personality comes in <laughs> since then i have you didn't stop there did you I didn't stop no, <laughs> 26.2 miles is is now a short distance oh, God. Uh, <laughs> i know it's, oh, it's silly really but uh, i mean basically since then I've, I've just constantly sought to to push those limits I've, I've run multiple marathons on several continents and built up to various ultra marathons most recently, I ran 100 miles in one go. So I ran from London to Oxford along the River Thames, which took just over 20 hours. Yeah. Um, so running through the night and, and it's, I mean, it's a fascinating... Is that the Thames Path Challenge? Exactly. Temp- yeah. Temp- 100, it's called. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I did that in, in September. And I have signed up to run from London to Bristol next summer, which is 150 miles. So I'm wow. constantly seeking to go a little bit further just yeah. to see if I can do it. Um, and along the way, I was, I was very lucky to be selected as a, a recruit on SAS Who Dares Wins uh, yep. series in um, Series 4 in Chile. So I got a, a two-week beasting from um, Middleton and Co. while they, they put us through a condensed version of special forces selection halfway up the Andes um and it, it was it was brutal and exhilarating in equal measure and there's, mm. there's something, something sacred about pushing your body and mind until you until you break but but also until you break through the pain barrier because there comes a point where it's it, you, you sort of you start to you start to get a sense of sort of serenity once you've pushed yourself so so far that it's it, it sort of it no longer hurts and you get this sort of clarity and and it, I, I mean it, it happened when I was running the the, the Thames Bath 100 as well I was sort of running, running through the middle of the night and all of my senses I could smell things in the air and, and sort of taste things that I I'd sort of never quite had quite had that sensation before it was really yeah. weird. I, think I was probably hallucinating from tiredness I don't know but do you also get that thing of where you go, I can't do any more, I can't do more, and then you go, oh, just 30 seconds more, and your body then kind of rejuvenates and wakes up again? I, I 100% get that. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I'll come on to that, if that's all right. Of mm, course. Uh, yeah, so coming back to that pain barrier, I think, I mean, this is yeah, the, 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 the famous adage is that if it, if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. Mm. I, 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 I love that. Uh, and also, if you start thinking that, if you can survive what seems impossible, other impossibilities become less daunting. So you now work for 87%. That's a new thing for you, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so I've recently taken up a, um, a position with a mental health uh, organisation, 87%. I'm their marketing and communications director. Mm. And the reason that 87% is called 87% is that only 13% of adults report living with high levels of good mental health. So we represent the the 87% who might be might be struggling. Although it's an interesting one because mental health is not just for those who are struggling. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very much for very much for everyone. 87% has a, a a sophisticated assessment tool that 
measures how, how users are feeling um, according to different dimensions of, of, of their lives. So quality of life, work, relationships, self-esteem. Um, and it then it, it forms a, a mental fitness score based on that assessment and personalizes the guidance it provides each user according to the areas of most most needs. So it's, it's a very clever tool uh, designed for businesses to, to help businesses monitor mm. and track the well-being of their employees. Um, but it's something that everyone can benefit from, as I say, not just those who are suffering from mental ill health. Absolutely. And it's interesting that you say mental fitness, because that's a big thing that I've heard a lot recently. And a, another guest last season, Chris, was talking about mental fitness rather than mental health and saying, because everybody does have mental health, it's it's misconstrued, isn't it? That people say, oh, my mental health. And it's actually, no, you have mental illness or mental ill health, but everybody has mental health. And it's it's keeping physically fit and mentally fit. So it, it kind of all goes into one, doesn't it? Quite right, yes. Um, mental illness and mental wellness or, or mental fitness, uh, as, as you say, are there is a, a misconception about mental health that it is only people with depression, anxiety, whatever the mental illness is. But exactly. much like you know, your ability, my ability, whoever's ability to you know, walk down to the shops, you need a certain amount of physical fitness in order to, to, to do that. Everyone needs mental fitness in order to get through the the, the stresses and strains and challenges of, of, of life and, and and it comes back to what I was what I was saying earlier about how mental resilience can be honed in order to achieve incredible feats of endurance mm. yes, but also to just get through life. James your coping mechanisms mm. and support um, both obviously now but also when you were suffering many years ago what's what sort of things do you use now and use then i just mentioned um doing impossible things Mm. in my various adventures endurance challenges i've i've stumbled across this this concept which i call the the contradiction of human capability and let me explain that so on the on the one hand we are incredibly fragile organisms. And I know that from the nature of my rugby injury. I broke my neck. I spent three months unable to work. I couldn't, you know, barely left the house. Had it been any worse, I would have never walked again. I was, I was fortunate in that regard, but it, it just demonstrates how, how fragile we are. But at the other end of the spectrum, the human body is capable of achieving incredible things. Now, talking about doing the impossible, I'm inspired by people like Sir Roger Bannister, Sir Edmund Hillary, who have done things, I mean, we're talking 60 years ago, but have done things that were perceived at the time as, as being impossible before they were actually done. So Bannister ran the first sub four minute mile, Hillary climbed Everest, but before they actually achieved those things, people said they can't be done. Fast forward 60 years, and the same is the case for um, this guy called Elliot Kipchoge, who was the first man to run a marathon in under two hours. Um, Yes, I watched him doing it, actually. It was phenomenal. Unbelievable, isn't it? The most significant sporting achievement of all time. And I've recently read a book by a guy called Ross Edgeley. It's called The Art of Resilience, about his swim the entire way around Britain in 2018. Mm. Um, and these guys were written off before they'd even started these incredible feats. But guess what? 
they went and bloody did them anyway. Yeah, exactly. So I just <laughs> think these stories are absolutely phenomenal. And and how did they do them? Well, a lot of planning, obviously, went into these these things, but a hell of a lot of mental resilience. Um, firstly, to go against the grain of what society tells you is is possible, and secondly, to actually follow through and and, and achieve them because you, I mean, you you're pushing yourself to unbelievable. Um, pushing yourself unbelievably hard to go and run a marathon in under two hours, believe me. Oh, God, yeah. Um, so what's interesting, though, is that since then, or since, um, not since the, since Kipchoge, but since Bannister and Hillary, countless people have run sub-minute, sub-four-minute miles, and thousands of people have climbed Everest. You know, they're accused to get up to the summit each year to the extent mm. that, that actually it's it's no longer as special an achievement as it once was. Don't, don't get me wrong. It's probably amazing to stand on the top of the, of the earth, but it's not as special. Yeah. So it's society's take on these things is fascinating. And, and whatever the challenge, whether it's running a marathon or climbing Everest or even running a 5K for the first time, as humans, we're very, we're very quick to give up as soon as we leave our comfort zone. And, and that's... It's actually the sort of biology and science behind it is, is there's something called homeostasis, which is the body's way of uh, regulating itself. So the body likes to maintain a healthy, stable state, optimal function of organs and the right body temperature and heart rate and breathing rate, all normal, etc. But when we exert ourselves too much, the brain goes into this protective mode and, and, and tells the body to shut down. That's, that's when we feel fatigue and we're, we're forced to stop what we're doing to to recover etc the truth is that the the brain's a, a bit of a hypochondriac and it shuts mm. a lot earlier than it needs to much like the the muscles in in the body it, um it's 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 therefore it's actually possible to train the brain to push past that that barrier and a lot of completing an endurance challenge lies in your mental stamina rather than your physical fitness mm. now the point I'm getting to, I promise I'm getting to one, um, is that this is, this is, as I say, this is sort of a reflection of everyday life. It's not just feats of endurance. And we're constantly being challenged in our day-to-day lives, whether it's in relationships, work, global pandemics, you name it. Yeah. And all of this takes its toll on our fragile brains. And unless we have those coping mechanisms... Coming back to your original question, finally, <laughs> um, unless we are able to train ourselves to build our mental resilience, we're vulnerable to these stresses and the possible development of mental health issues such as anxiety and, and burnout and, 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 and whatever else. So that, that the coping mechanism for me is, is that build of, of mental resilience through endurance, through pushing my, my body, through training my, ma- my mind telling myself that actually I can put another foot in front of the other. I can go on for another 30 seconds and then I can go on for another 30 seconds longer. And mm. for me, that then, that then relates into my, my, my day-to-day life. If I come across something that's challenging, I think actually it's only going to be challenging for a few minutes until I think through it and I come up with a solution and then it will no longer be challenging. It's that ability to see, see the end um, to know that the end is in sight, no matter what the challenge, it could be running a hundred miles, or it could be working to a deadline to get a, pro- a project done at work. Yeah, as you're putting one foot in front of the other, metaphorically, 
you're moving closer towards solving your 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 problem so what's the best piece of advice you've received whether it's um from an old rugby coach years ago or Mm. someone in business or somebody in any any element of your life whether it's through mental health or through sport or whatever what's what's the thing that's really stuck with you yeah, I've got so many. Um, I was going to say, it's always a difficult question. And everybody I, always I, says, I can't pick one. <laughs> <laughs> um, you want me to pick one? Um, <laughs> the other thing is I read a lot of motivational books and autobiographies of adventurers and endurance athletes as well. So I'm sort of constantly coming up with uh, little nuggets. If, I, I'm going I'm to go with two, if that's okay. Rather, yeah, of course. One, one was from my time on, on SAS Who Dares Wins, actually. And, mm. and it relates back to this, this idea of homeostasis. Um, that your mind gives up before your body. Uh, and I can't remember which of the directing staff came out with this, but it's a concept that, that they use, the elite of the military use. When you think you're tired, when your mind mm. says, I've had enough, your body has actually got about 60% left in the tank. So if you think about what you have, have achieved up to that point and the fact that you can do it again and then half once more again before you're actually fatigued. Yeah. Gives you an idea of what's possible. Now, everyone's going to think, oh, he's talking about endurance running again. I'm not. I'm talking about, you know, life. Yeah. Yes, this is valid for running 100 miles. But it's also, if you think you're, you're coming to the end of your tether with a, with a problem or, a, uh, you know, haven't got the solution, um, if, you, if you're running out of time on a, on a deadline and getting, getting bogged down by it, that you have more to give. I've, I, always, I always find that if, if you've got a problem that can't be solved by going out for a half hour run, then it can't be solved full stop. Yeah, <laughs> that's really good actually. Or, or a walk. Um, or, yeah, or a walk or a cycle. Or... This lockdown time, I think has just opened up, you know, I used to commute for an hour every morning and every, uh, an hour each way into, into London. It's two hours of my day. I, I now have been given this, this gift of time to go for a run every morning. And I, 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 I brainstorm to myself, I come up with ideas, I, I think about work that I've got to do and presentations that I've got to put together and, 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 and life's problems as well. And I solve life's problems in, in, these, in, these, in, in those times. The other one, again, I can't remember who I, where I heard it from, but um, was, that, was that if you, I was to say, I'm, I'm all about setting goals um, because it motivates me. It drives me to, to discipline myself. Uh, and what I do when I set myself a challenge, I tell everyone I know that I'm doing it. It doesn't matter if it's a feat of endurance or getting a promotion, starting a company, saving up to buy a new car. It could be anything. The point being that if you tell every single one of your friends that you're going to do it, you're then going to have them asking you, yeah. oh, How's the training going for that? Yeah. Well, how's the, have you got that job promotion yet? It's accountability, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's an additional motivator. That's some brilliant advice there. And it's, it does apply massively to all spheres of your life and everything. What would you like to pass on if you, to anybody, whether they are suffering to become sober, coming back from any sort of injury or whether it's a physical injury or a mm. mental injury, mm. what's the kind of, what would you like to pass on? I mean, it's, it's going to be, it's going to sound very cheesy, but the thing that I want to pass on is that anything is possible. Mm. Um, and I'm, this is fascinating. I'm often asked about my endurance stuff and get this, this default automated response. Oh, I could never do that. It's a turn of phrase. I know, but 
my response is, is twofold. Firstly, well, well, why the hell not? Seven, year, seven years ago, I broke my neck. Five years ago, I was a depressed alcoholic. And now I'm running ultra marathons for fun. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm run, I've, I've run 20 marathons this year. Now, I'm not saying that to boast, I, I promise. I'm saying that simply to put the, the transition of where I was five years ago into context, that if I can do it, anyone can. And I yeah. mean and it's, it's not easy lumbering. I'm no longer 17 stone, but I'm not built for running. Mm. Lumbering myself along the River Thames for 21 and a half hours was, was, was tough. Um, so, but it just shows that I say, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want, I'm not trying to big myself up here. I'm, I'm, I want to tell people that actually anything genuinely is possible. Um, and to, to clarify, I'm not, I'm not telling everyone to go out and run a marathon. I keep sort of referring back to, you know, running and endurance. But I, once again, I'm using that as an analogy for other areas of life because the second um, sort of thought process um, on, on it is that if you are immediately telling yourself that you can't do something, oh, I could never do that, or that something is impossible, what else are you telling yourself you can't do are you telling yourself you can't be happy are you telling yourself you can't be successful are you mm. telling yourself oh, i could never get that job promotion um being successful being happy are incredibly important things and i, I wonder there's a big step obviously between you know saying you can't run an ultra marathon and, and you can't saying you can't be happy but that automated response oh i could never do that is a very negative sentiment and i would prefer people to think okay maybe i I don't want to do that. Yes. Maybe I could. What my son actually learnt at school is that there's no word as impossible. Mm. Actually, you break it down and it's I'm possible. No, I mean, yes, exa exactly. And, you know, it's impossible. Well, tell that to Roger Bannister. Tell that to Edmund Hillary. And, you know, obviously these guys are, uh, have done, done in, in incredible things. And, and, and again, it's, it's feats of endurance versus day-to-day -day -day life. But... Again, it's, it's that mentality. It's that, that automatic negative mentality of saying, oh, I could never do that. Well, think about it for a second. And actually, if you break it down and, and think about how you might go about getting from A to B to C to, to, to Z, it is possible. And it is possible for you to be happy, successful, all the rest of it, as well as potentially going and running an ultramarathon, if, if that's your thing. Yeah, absolutely. James, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you so much. Very inspiring and very motivational. And I feel like I should go for a run now. <laughs> Thank you so much, James. It has been my absolute pleasure. Uh, lovely to talk to you. Thank you for listening to One in Four, talking mental health with Abby Lacey and friends. Please leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast so that others may find us. Remember, One in Four is not intended to take the place of professional help. If you need help, there is a list of resources in the show notes on SoundCloud. And finally, please remember you are not alone. <laughs>